Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. All right, Fact Check This Podcast, and today I am joined by Alex Hatch. Alex, I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself and tell some of what you got going on, and then we'll just jump into it. Sounds good. Thanks, Justin, for having me on. Uh, My name is Alex Hatch, and I'm a mom of two boys, um, six and eight years old, and uh, I practice respectful parenting, which is under the Peaceful Parenting umbrella, and... um, I have a podcast I do with my sister sometimes, but we're, we're not very, we don't, uh, <laughs> it's been a little while since we've done one. Um, and yeah, that's it. Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had initially kind of heard of, of you and your sister and kind of what y'all were doing through, uh, Carlos Avalar and Los Libertinos, uh, which was <laughs> The story of y'all's episode with him was really entertaining for me, anyway, because uh, apparently y'all he forgot to record the first time and uh, get to got to do it all over again, which was he was he was super tore up about that. Uh, he he really felt bad about it. Like his his big thing is oh. he, wants, he really wants to be respectful of everybody's time whenever he's doing these interviews and stuff, and so he he felt really bad about it. No, oh, he said that. I know. And I, I felt bad too. Like I felt bad that he felt bad. Uh, cause we had, um, my sister has two kids too. So between the two of us, we have four kids that we need to like figure out, you know, care for while we do the podcast. Cause we did, I did that one with my sister and, uh, it was, I think it was over an hour too. We were, um, doing it for quite some time. And, uh, and then afterwards we get a text and he said, I forgot to record. <laughs> well, then we did another one, another day. It's, it's funny though. He's a great guy. He, uh-huh. he really is. I try to tell him it happens. Like it's, uh, you, you would be surprised at how frequently that sort of thing happens. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I think it made for a better second episode because he, we were able to discuss so much. And so it was almost like a private consultation in some ways, because he was asking questions about things. And then he was able to try out some of the stuff. So the next episode was him kind of like, okay, so here's some of the stuff that I noticed, right? Yeah, that was really cool. And uh, I've actually, some of the, some of the best conversations that I've had were, where I forgot to hit record and 20 minutes later, it's like, oh, I just missed all of that. (laughs) And so it's, I talk, I try to tell him I was like, dude, just it, like it's fine. It happens to everybody. Like you, you, you'll figure it out. Yep. <laughs> so let's talk it, about some of the uh, the parenting side of stuff. I will 
openly admit that I am uh, I'm probably terrible about not being a confrontational parent. I uh, I'm a little bit rough around the edges, um, and and I'm an old farm boy, and that was the way I was raised. Uh, I, I try not to be quite quite to that extent that I was as what I was raised with my kids, but I definitely acknowledge that I am I'm not always easy to deal with, especially for uh, especially for like with my son now. He's uh, just turned 13 a couple months ago, and he's kind of in that uh, pain in the ass phase of life, and uh, so we we butt heads not frequently but we've had some uh we've had some goes at it with him not wanting to be agreeable and me being hard-headed where he is disagreeable and uh so it's not always super pleasant uh so let's talk about some of that because i i would like to be better at that like i i acknowledge that i am i acknowledge that i'm tough to deal with and that i'm rough around the edges and that i'm uh abrasive for sure so like i I know that that's something that I could get better at. I just, uh, I want to talk about how I can get better at it. And who knows, yeah. maybe, maybe my kids will even notice that I'm making an attempt. Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot there. Uh, it's, it's really hard to do something that doesn't come naturally to you. And this doesn't come naturally to me either. Um, I was not raised this way. My parents uh, both spanked. Um, my sister and I were like supposed to be good little girls and, you know, do what we were told. Uh, we get in big trouble if we didn't. Um, so when I was pregnant and I started to learn about, uh, peaceful parenting, I, um, it, it, it's, it made sense logically to me. Um, but like, I didn't know what it would entail you don't really know how hard parenting is until you're in it and you're in the trenches and it's super hard. Um, so everyone makes mistakes and we all, I think, revert back to things that we know that just come like instinctually, like naturally to us. Um, yeah. So there's that. Uh, so first I think the biggest thing is to forgive yourself because you're doing the best you can and it's a super hard job that what we're doing is so hard. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is if you, you are in a really tough position because your kids are older and you've already established this type of relationship. So there's habits that they're used to, and it's going to take a long time to undo that. Um, for me, when you start it early. So one of the things that I tell people is if you start it early, the phase you're going through right now is not as bad when you never have an adversarial relationship. So if you never set up that us against them mentality that you have to behave. And if you don't, you're in trouble. Um, then you don't get that push pull. If you from the start kind of say like, we're going to work collaboratively as a team, I'm going to help keep you safe. I'm going to talk to you about things like limits, why they're limits. And, and you tell me what you want to do and we'll figure out ways that you can do those things safely then the child learns to see you as someone on their team, someone like in their corner, uh, not as like the enemy. And so when they get to the point where at 13, you have an independent, independent person that doesn't really need you to survive. They're still immature and they have a lot to learn, but they don't really know that yet. And it's kind of like, it's a really interesting phase because they need to 
uh, you kind of need to go through life and make mistakes to learn. So you have um, a child that, you know, is wanting to rebel and be their own person. And um, that's totally natural, totally normal. Uh, and and um, hopefully when you get to that point, you've established a relationship where they trust you and they come to you when they have questions and they don't feel like they need to hide things from you out of fear. That makes total sense. And, and I guess with my son, we've never been, uh, I wouldn't say it was necessarily confrontational or like us versus them type thing. Uh, but he's, so it's, it's a lot different with my daughter. She is my clone and uh, when she was real little she and she's always been extremely hard-headed and independent and uh which I don't know where she gets that at all (laughs) when she was little if she would get that look in her eye like you knew she was about to do something that she definitely did not need to do and say Katie if you do this you're gonna get your butt smacked and she would look you dead in the eyes and turn around and smack herself on the butt and go do it anyway. I, she she didn't care. So you had to take a different approach with her because that's clearly she doesn't like she doesn't address that as a threat. Like so so with her and and also with her being even from a very very young age, she was very like-minded to the way I am. So we have a different relationship whereas my son is uh He's a lot more like his mother and my brother and uh, those personality types and my personality type tend to clash a bit. Uh, so he and I have always had a little bit of a different relationship. I mean, we get along really, really well for the most part, but yeah, when we do have uh, disciplinary stuff where he's definitely not doing the things that he knows are either expected of him or, uh, when he's doing the things that he knows are not good things, it, it makes the dynamic a lot harder, especially for me. And, and also with, uh, they spend half the time at their mother's house and half the time here. So the households are also extremely different. Uh, my wife and I, yeah, yeah. My wife and I run a very, uh, kind of a structured disciplined house with the way we, we kind of organize and arrange the house. Whereas over there, it's not at all. So it it makes it really, it makes it really tough. And for him, especially uh, because he's, he's more naturally geared towards that chaos of over there uh, and less so towards the, the more structured uh, way we do things over here. Does that make sense? Like it's, yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, my question, though, is, uh, is like, so, so one thing I notice when you're talking about this parenting in general is um, there's this theme of you have to manipulate the child into behaving the way that you want them to behave. And I would challenge that and say, what if we didn't have to manipulate their behavior at all? If we met them with empathy and we tried to see 
what their point of view was, no matter what it was. It's easier to think of when they're toddlers, but you can do it when they're older. And so you think like, okay, let me put my, my head into their head and try and figure out like what they're thinking. And then you empathize with them. And then you try and find a collaborative solution to whatever the problem is, but never try to manipulate a behavior. Cause anytime you do that, I think um, it's human nature to reject it. And some kids are going to fall in line because they're people pleasers and they'll want to do that. And then other kids like your daughter uh, sounds like will resist. Um, I was in the resist camp too. And, uh, and that's great because the other thing is too, I think uh, this way of parenting raises kids to not accept authority blindly, which is something that we embrace in like our philosophy, like political philosophy. Um, but raising kids to blindly follow, right? The parent, trust the parent, um, is doing oh, the exact opposite of that. It, that is funny that you mentioned that because I have actually had uh, all three because we also have uh, step, my stepdaughter uh, lives with us all the time too. And she, she and I have a really, really good relationship, but uh, we, we play off of each other well. Uh, uh, we have all three kids. I have a very unique relationship with all three of them. Like I said, I, you know, my son is like my brother and we butt heads. My daughter is like my clone. And so we're, we're kind of in tune. And then uh, the youngest one, it, she is, she's like the yin to my yang. Like we, we kind of, uh, we have a lot of fun and we mesh well, but we're not, we're not terribly similar, but, but it's, uh, it's the different sides uh, playing off of each other. And my wife uh, cracks up at the way we like pick on each other and joke with each other and and plus she's like this big and I'm gigantic so it's it's really funny oh uh, <laughs> for the way we kind of go back have our back and forth and stuff but uh-huh. uh but yeah it, it's kind of a like I said all the kids have have their own very distinct personalities which that's with every kid I, I think even even no matter how uh, close the children are I think they're always gonna oh be. yeah something oh, yeah. very distinct about them and so uh, like I, I don't feel like I don't ever really feel like it's very adversarial I, I don't I don't necessarily feel like I'm manipulating them but I have had all three of them push back on the uh well you said we're supposed to do this but you also constantly talk about questioning authority and da 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 and, and uh you know tell us how the and tell us all the bad things that the government does and like we go through all of this because we listen to different podcasts every day and like so they're pretty in tune yeah. with what's going on in the world and uh and yes kind of crafting their political and social ideas around some of that stuff so then so so then when you know i have them uh hardwired to question everything but then i tell them to do something they're like well what about and i'm like no because i said you need to do it that we need to do it. They're like, yeah, that's not what you say. They don't. Anything else. And yeah. so, so it's that true. Is, uh, You're inconsistent. They're right. <laughs> so that is, uh, get some pushback on that from time to time, which is. So that's, and that's true. And like, just because they're kids doesn't mean like kids are not stupid. They, they, they need to, they need to learn. Right. There's a lot they don't know, but 
Um, that's, that's, that's what you get going through life and going through life. They're going to learn what they need to learn to live, um, without our like interventions, like, uh, the punishments and rewards to get them to behave in a certain way. So we can, we can help guide them without, without manipulating them. And when we do that, then we can like give them the self-confidence to know that, you know, they can make decisions from themselves. They can make, make, make decisions for themselves. Um, uh, have, um, know that when they do make mistakes, they can come out of it. Right. That's an important lesson to learn. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. So I think, uh, yeah, we, we, we don't, we don't need those methods. There's better ways to do it. And I, I mentioned earlier, um, that it's harder to do older your kids are, but it's not impossible. You can turn things around if you want to. I would suggest not doing it unless you are totally convinced or you something isn't working. If there's something not working, in, if, you, if whatever you are doing right now to, at home is working for you guys, I would not suggest switching it up because it's very confusing for kids. And if you're not feeling it in your heart, it's not going to work. If you feel like something is off or a kid is not responding or something doesn't feel right, then I would say, yeah, you might want to look into other methods, in which case um, I would say to, to use more respectful parenting tactics and don't just do it to the kids. You would sit down and have a conversation with them. So it would be like, look, I've thought about it and um, I don't want to have an adversarial relationship with you. Uh, I, I don't believe in manipulating your behavior. And I realized I've made mistakes in the past by doing that. Um, I've, I've, I've done that. Like, I think every parent gets to the point where we're pushed and we say, stop it or else. Right. <laughs> and, um, I, I don't believe in doing that, but that's just it. Sometimes that happens. And I always apologize for it. I'm, I always say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have yelled. I shouldn't have done that. Um, and then we work through the problem. So we just figure out ways to work through problems collaboratively where they know that I have their best interest at heart and I never want to make them too scared to come to me for help or too scared to make mistakes. And I'll never expect them to follow me blindly. Like they question me all the time. And sometimes they're right. Sometimes they say something I'm like, no, 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 no. And then they prove me wrong. And I'm like, Oh, you were right. Sorry. <laughs> right. And then sometimes I'm right. Most of the time, like I have the experience that they don't have. Um, and I don't rub it in their faces. I don't go see, I told you no one likes to hear that. I just go, Oh, that's interesting. Um, so you just kind of watch them grow and learn and, and never don't try to manipulate and, and control. So I know you have sort of an, uh, somewhat of a similar situation with, uh, the kids, you know, go back and forth. Do you have any advice for working on consistency between households? Because that's so, like I was saying, like we're we're pretty structured, organized. Um, we have a, I don't want to say regimented, but we kind of have expectations of like, we keep the house clean. We keep the laundry put away. We keep the dishwasher empty, like we maintain a level of cleanliness and or and orderliness to the house that does not in any way re- exist over there. So, so we really kind of, and, and I used to see it a lot 
with uh, my daughter when they would go back and forth was she would behave one way here and then like if as soon as she as soon as she left to go back over there it, it was like a a flip a switch was flipped and she would behave a completely different way um <clears throat> so so kind of what we've run into is like I try to take a relatively hands-off approach to a lot of things honestly like for as for as regimented as we are I try not to I try not to browbeat stuff into the kids like where school and stuff like that is concerned you know what the expectations are so go and do it like I'm not going to stand over your shoulder and force you to do your homework when you come home from school I'm going to ask you do you have homework and if you tell me no okay then you tell me no like if you want to if you if you make the decision not to do homework that you know you had that's your decision and if you want to fail all your classes that's on you like I expect you to do good but I'm also not going to to browbeat that into you whereas they actually get the opposite over there that uh especially from like my daughter's good with that stuff she doesn't we don't have any any problems typically but unless somebody is like making him do it my son typically won't do that stuff and I'm very hands-off I'm like if you don't want to do it then you're not then you know I'm not going to make you do it you can choose to you can make that choice for yourself and and you know reap the consequences of it uh whereas over there like his mom will make him sit down at his desk and do homework for two hours every night and if he doesn't have homework then he has to read or you know do something homework related so it's we have these like so very different uh you know way things are from one place to the other Uh, and do you have any advice for how to kind of work with or around that? Because that, that like, I think, I feel like that may be one of our biggest struggles uh, is the, especially with him is the very drastic differences from place to place. Okay. Yeah. So I think um, the best thing you can do, cause you can't control what someone else does. Um, so the best thing you can do is remain consistent yourself and, if you do that, kids are very resilient and they're going to learn the different rules in each household. And there might be some adjustment. There might be more pushback because if you did things consistently between the two of you, it would be a lot easier, but you can't like, I mean, you can try, but um, in, I mean, my experiences, it uh, (laughs) it doesn't help. (laughs) So Um, It's just better to be consistent yourself. And then um, when the kids are struggling, be empathetic towards them because they're, they're having a lot of problems and it's not just the inconsistency between the two homes. It's the fact that they have two homes, right. And they have to go back and forth. I mean, there's a lot. And then school, just in general, school in general is super hard. Um, I did not come from a broken home. I, I am divorced now and my kids go back and forth and spend 50% of the time with their dad and 50% of the time with me. And that's been very difficult. Um, growing up, I, I had both parents in my home. Um, yet I still had tons of problems and I hated homework. I hated school. I rejected it. I actually, um, am against school. 
I think school is manipulative and wrong and coercive. And uh, I practice, I actually have my kids enrolled in a Sudbury school, uh, which is like a, an unschooling school. <laughs> so, so that, that's a little bit different, but um, I like your approach of, and, and it was what I was going to suggest with uh, giving your kids the responsibility and, and it's really up to the school. That's not a um, battle that you have to take on. The child can learn to take it on if they want to, and the consequences will be uh, dealt with at school. So I would agree with that. That's how I would handle it if my kids were in a traditional school. Like, we don't have any problems with either of the girls. They they do all their stuff. And it, it's, I, I guess there is a, you know, there is a mental wiring the way uh, different kids kind of approach that, that like, like I said, the girls will just do their stuff and like they truly strive to be top of their class all the time. And he just doesn't care. So, so, you yeah. know, it's, and I can't, but isn't, isn't that a problem though? Like if you're a kid and you work so hard to please the adults around you, Oh, for the girls, I don't think they do it for anybody else. Like they are uber competitive. They, they're not trying to please the adults. They're trying to beat the other kids. Okay. Isn't that a a little bit of a problem though? Oh, absolutely. Uh, My daughter is totally a sociopath. So like, I mean, (laughs) I love her to death, but she, she wants to be better than everybody else for no more reason than to be better than everybody else. And it's a, it's a competitive thing. And I mean, that's just the way she's kind of wired. And uh, I try to encourage her to maybe dial that back a little bit, but, but, uh, but like, you know, I let her pursue being the best at, at what she does because she wants to. And, and that's, that's a challenge with with her that's a little bit different is because she is uh, very driven to whatever she decides she's driven to. And, uh, and being driven is good and being there's nothing wrong with being competitive. I guess the problem, biggest problem with it is being competitive in a space that is not actually for yourself. So if she were given uh, more freedom and responsibility for her own education, she could be competitive against herself or against other people in a field that she chooses and not all the subjects that the school chooses for her. And I'm hoping that'll carry over as she gets older. Um, like, yeah, cause I, I have tried to challenge her with stuff. Uh, and if like, if there's not somebody to beat, then she's not interested. So, uh, you know, it's, she has that, uh, kind of that killer instinct where that comes in and and I get it because that's a lot of how I was at you know when I was younger as well so yeah uh, hopefully I talked about this a little bit um a, a week or a week or two ago with kind of my personal spiritual journey and stuff and like I was a pretty I was a pretty horrible person for a long time because of that uh that competitive nature and wanting to be the best and, and really push for that kind of stuff. And so hopefully it doesn't take some like 
massive uh, catastrophic life of like you know life crashing down around you event for her to to figure out that that's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, so like for now, it's it's as innocent as she wants to do really good in school, and she does she doesn't she hasn't gotten into sports or anything like that. So there, uh, I guess that's a little bit encouraging for me because I also played sports, and uh, in in sports you can. Uh, take that a little bit too far in terms of especially in a contact sport like you can be a little bit a little bit violent and aggressive and and uh that competitive edge can manifest itself in unhealthy ways uh and she hasn't gotten into sports she just does like she's just interested in being really good at being a smart kid so um so for now you know i'm not too concerned but yeah, there is, that is something that I do worry about at the back of my head. Uh, and, and I hope that, like I said, I, I hope that she uh, will kind of learn from that as she gets older and maybe, uh, maybe lighten up a little bit. I mean, she's 11. She's got plenty of time to figure it out. And, and who knows, the puberty years may mellow her out significantly, but <laughs> We we all have our own paths that we need to take and we all need to go through like good times and hard times to learn. Like that's just a part of life. Yeah. And and I'm kind of hopeful for my son uh, with him being so much to that the polar opposite of of that. The maybe some of these uh middle teenage years will maybe push him a little bit in uh the other direction that he will start to get some of that competitive nature to him and, and start to kind of strive for stuff. Cause right now he really doesn't at all. Like he just doesn't, he just doesn't seem to care, which is, which is fine. If he doesn't want to care, then that's like, like I said before, you know, I'm, I'm not going to browbeat it into him. Like that's, I feel like at 12, 13 years old, he can make that choice. Like if he doesn't want to do good, then, you know, don't do good. Just, and, and but there are also you know there are also consequences to that and you have to understand that like especially from where the school's school stands like if you're not going to put in the effort and you're not going to work hard then you may have to repeat a grade you may have to retake classes and like that's a choice that uh that's a choice that he has to make like i i can't make that for, i don't feel like i can or should make that for him you can't. Yeah. But also I would question whether or not that's even a good thing to have to need to have that competitive edge a little bit and um, want to perform at school. I don't, um, I think, I think school is a toxic place. I think it goes against our natural instincts. Uh, some people thrive in it and some do not. Uh, he might benefit more from like, the Sudbury model, which is complete freedom, no grades, no tests, no classes, no homework. Um, and the kids choose what they want to do. There's a tremendous amount of freedom and responsibility where the kids can um, choose what they want to do throughout the day and they can uh, hyper-focus on whatever they want. If, if I had it my way, we would, we would be doing homeschooling type of curriculum. Like we, we wouldn't be they wouldn't be in school. We would be doing stuff yeah. at home. And, and then we could be more 
specifically tailored towards what their interests are and what they're good at and what they like and 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 focus on stuff like that uh but with the with the split household situation that we have that's not currently an option so uh i understand that yeah so that really sucks but because like like for my son uh if we could get him into musical stuff and like i do a lot of gardening and and stuff like that like if we could get him into that kind of stuff i think he would have more interest in that than than what he does in like the sitting around the house or sitting around you know school learning stuff like so uh right you know kind of wishful thinking at this point but but maybe maybe if things continue with the way the the school systems are kind of going uh hopefully within the next couple years you know that that might be a more realistic option but uh let's talk about that a little bit like what kind of stuff do y'all do for your curriculum or whatever you want to call it for for what you're doing with your kids um so it's a little complicated right now because um I have I have them enrolled in a Sudbury school and I just recently pulled them out um because there's a mask mandate so they go to the school when they're with their dad he takes them to school and I wrote the school and I said when they're with me um, I ask them if they want to go to school if they say they don't then they can stay home because I don't see a point in pushing it when they're forced to wear a mask indoors so um so that was a recent development. Um, and when, so that when they're at the school, they can choose what they want to do with their time. There's an arts and crafts room. There's a computer room, library, games. There's a whole outdoor area. Uh, there's a sewing machine. There's a kitchen where they can cook. Um, there's two staff members. They're not teachers. And the kids decide what they want to do. And sometimes that means they play on their tablets all day, which I know sounds really scary. Uh, but the idea is that they know what they need and they're going to, they're going to find it and they're going to do it in their own time. Um, so usually like kids get pretty bored of that and they want a social interaction like we all do. So they'll find out what the other kids are doing. And if they see another kid, like there's a bunch of, uh, there's a musical air, uh, a bunch of musical instruments in one of the areas in the library. It's kind of the same room. So it's like a not it's like a music room slash library uh so sometimes the kids will like play um there was a two years ago when i went to go visit the school um there were kids that would practice they were in a band and they would practice every single day at school and so all the other kids at school would see that and the younger ones would sometimes want to join in and learn and it would inspire them to learn how to play the piano or the guitar or the drums um so i feel like you don't have to convince a baby to roll over, sit up, crawl, talk, walk. When they're toddlers, you don't have to like convince them to ride a bicycle or even swim. Like people put their kids in swim lessons, but um, with with uh, with mine, they they learned by watching other kids and then deciding for themselves they wanted to do that, and then they taught themselves. So I think if you give kids, if you trust that that they can do it and that they're going to do it in their own time when they're ready, then they will. If we push it, we often end up having the opposite effect where we make it. Uh, so sometimes they don't want to do it at all. And I had that problem with my oldest 
and potty training because he was interested in the potty. And that was before I found respectful parenting. And uh, I was like, Ooh, now's a great time to encourage it. And I tried. And then after that, it was like, no way. Absolutely. Don't want to try it. Uh, I even made an, an awards board where he got awards for doing different things, totally backfired. And it, um, it took a very long time, a very long time for us to, uh, to turn that around. So I think when we show them that we really care that they're do that they do something or don't do something, we automatically give that power. We give that action or, you know, task power. We give the kid power. It becomes a power struggle. And if we can avoid that completely, then it's, you're giving the child the freedom to, to figure it out themselves. That's like incredibly empowering. That's kind of interesting. Um, so my son would get, like it would really hurt his feelings when he peed his pants. And so he wanted to learn, like he wanted to be potty trained um, because like that, that really, for, for whatever reason, as silly as that seems for like, you know, like a less than two year old to get upset about that. Like if, uh, when he switched out of diapers into like the little training pants, he really got upset when he would pee his pants. And so he, when you see training pants, were they, um, pull up diapers or underwear? It was like, uh, it was like the underwear that have like the thick padding in them. So it's not like a, it's not like a diaper, but it's not like regular. But it would soak through. Yeah. It was soaked through a little bit. Yeah. So I would say with that, I wouldn't actually put them in underwear if they're not ready. I would have left them in diapers until they're ready. It was like, uh, trying to think of what they were called. Like they were, they weren't like a pull-up underwear, but it was like a really thick. Uh, yeah, we had, had some like too. A really thick thing on it, so that it, right, so that he wouldn't pee all the way through it, but it, you know he would feel the, the little bit of wetness. Uh, right. But whenever that would happen, he was very upset. He didn't, he didn't like that. So he he wanted to learn how to potty train, whereas my daughter didn't care. Yeah, she had no care for it whatsoever. Like you would ask her, hey you know it's been a while do you need to go to the bathroom she's like nah and then just stand there and, and pee yourself like and stare yeah. at you like you had offended her by even asking like I, i'm pretty sure she would pee herself deliberately yeah <laughs> but, but once, you but once you we actually... got this little training potty and we would sit it outside on the so we lived out in the middle of nowhere and we would sit it out on this big giant front porch that we had and she'd go out there and sit on the potty and sit on the potty and just chill and use the bathroom and like when we put it out there where that she could just go out there and go whenever she was ready to go then she started doing it and like that was her like that was when she potty trained was when she could just go sit outside and stare stare out across the front yard and watch the big semis drive by like on the out on the road and just hang out on the front porch Uh, so yeah it, it was interesting good. with the two of them, the way they uh, really kind of took that a different approach. That you know, since you brought since you brought up the potty training and uh, like the incentives and stuff, like because I, I, we didn't really we didn't really try to incentivize either one of them with it to to learn to do it. But 
but you did because you took them out of diapers. You put them in something that made it uncomfortable for them to do. So just that action was you trying to push them to do something. Yeah, I never um, thought about it that way. I never. But your but it sounds like your daughter ended up um, uh, liking it when you gave her some autonomy over it, which was having the potty that was available all the time, and she could choose when she wanted to use it, and and that's what like we all want, right? Autonomy over our own bodies. Yeah. That's inter- that, that was interesting that you brought that up because it was, I mean, funny, funny story with her that, you know, the only way to get her to potty train was to go sit outside and do it on the front porch, but whatever. That's, like I said, we, <laughs> we lived out in the middle of nowhere, so it wasn't like, you know, the trucks that were driving by out on the road were seriously a quarter mile away. Like they can't see the little kid on the, on the front on the front porch but it was right that was her like that was her place that was where she would go and and do her business and she would and once we started doing that no problems ever again I would just I would just push back and say that the only way to get her to potty train was to do that because if you had never turned like um switched from diapers to the training um underwear then they might not have been uh, as motivated to do it as quickly, but they still would have done it eventually because you don't see, you know, high schoolers going to school in diapers unless there are some serious neurological issues, in which case it doesn't matter what you do, right? When they're two or three, um, it's going to be a problem anyway. So I would say it's that kind of thing. It's the fe- that's it's like fear-based parenting. You think if you don't teach them by a certain age, if they're not hitting these milestones, then they're behind and they're not going to learn. And um, I reject that completely. I, I think that they all will learn eventually, not necessarily when your neighbors do and the rest of school does, but that doesn't matter. We're all individuals and um, we work on different timelines. So we should give them autonomy over themselves to, to learn that when they're ready. And that is interesting with the way like your kids school does that and lets them have that time. Like, I feel like my kids just sit around and play on either either they play on the PlayStation or the Xbox or they're on their phones or tablets like a hundred percent of the time. But when they're at school, like they're being forced into these things. And if they, if they didn't have that, like if they had all of that time to do whatever they want, like as much as I love all of the podcast work I do. And as much as I love, uh playing on twitter all day i can't do that shit all day i I get bored i need something else i have to go read something i have to go watch a show i i have to go outside like like so for as much as parents are concerned that their kids are spending all of their time on a tablet or on a phone we're also forcing these kids to spend six hours a day being forced to sit in a room and do shit that they have likely no interest in doing. Like if, if they did have that time to make those decisions, yeah, for a couple of days, they might sit around and just spend literally the entire time they're there on their phone, on their tablet, but they're going to figure out that that's just not fulfilling. And it's really kind of boring. And there's a lot more interesting things to life that you can do. And, and, and yeah, some of them might devolve into 
just doing that 100% of the time. But like the, those are going to be aberrations. They're most most kids are gonna. I mean, my son has a couple guitars and some other stuff. Like he messes around with that stuff uh, somewhat infrequently, but he still does. And you know, if if left to to make his decisions on what's he going to do uh, more regularly than what you know a school schedule allows. I bet he would choose to do that a lot more than what he does right now. Uh, yes. So, um, so, okay. A lot of parents have told me this. If I had my kid in that school, then they would do nothing but play video games all day. Right. Or something like that. Um, and they say that as a negative thing. And my answer to that is if you have a child that is um, trying to escape reality I'm assuming that's what they're doing. Like if you, if they're trying to escape reality and they're just playing a video game all day, then there's a deeper issue and forcing them to not do that is not the answer. Finding out what the deeper issue is and then addressing that is the better way to deal with the problem. Because otherwise you're looking at a kid that the minute they get out of their school and their parents' clutches, they'll go off to college and, and find their own escape or maybe not college. Maybe they um, go off on their own. Right. But they'll, they'll, they won't, wouldn't, they won't have learned to deal with that deeper issue earlier and it's going to become a bigger monster and they're likely going to look, continue to keep looking for escape mechanisms, which is problematic. So you actually catch that stuff sooner if you give them the freedom um, to, yeah, do what they want to do. And I think for so for his, you know, for his into Rothbard and Mises and uh, all of that stuff as I am, 90% of what I've got on that bookshelf back there and this bookshelf over here and all of these shelves up here, it's fiction uh and comic books and stuff like that and i feel like for kids if they're given that opportunity like especially the ones who are looking for the escape type thing that they're they're looking for that thing uh if given the access to the right mediums that can be a really uh creative boon for those kids and even even video games and stuff like that like that there's no reason those things uh, have to be bad, right? That's like, true. Like Absolutely true. Yeah. There's a there's a huge uh, there's a huge world of creativity that that rests in those different mediums. That if they show an interest in it, maybe that can become something more uh, fruitful than just a you know, a video game habit, but like it can be something that those kids can turn into creative writing or whatever, you know, or a career that, even right stuff that they get enjoyment out of. And, and even if it's not something that turn into a career, like it can be something that uh, kind of helps them move towards other things and, and figure out what they want to do and where they are in the world. Like, uh, yep. I've tried to put like time restrictions on the video games and stuff. And I kind of gave up on that because 
they get bored eventually anyway. They do. Yep. Yep. (laughs) It's true. Yes. (laughs) And you're right. And it's not, um, it's not like video games have no value. Um, They can have a lot of value. And I think one of the things that made my kids um, like motivated them to learn to read was playing video games because you have to learn like Minecraft was a big one. You have to learn to read to be able to play it well. (laughs) And my youngest is still learning, but uh, my oldest was more motivated to learn while playing that for sure. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. It's, and it's really interesting. I give the kids crap all the time because they use my YouTube account on the, on the TV in the living room. So, so I'll go to pull up my YouTube account and I see all these like random weird videos and stuff like are you subscribed to like a million things (laughs) my kids keep subscribing to stuff (laughs) thank god no they don't subscribe me to anything they just watch like these random crazy videos so then when i pull it up on on my computer like to upload say this video then i see all of this like watch history i'm like what in god's name have y'all been watching because it's all like crazy dumb stuff uh, at least for me, it's crazy dumb stuff. So now, <laughs> it's like, uh, like the girls are really into anime and cosplay stuff, and all three of the kids are really into Minecraft and and stuff like that. And so, mm-hmm. like, it's all these different videos that they are. I'll never let them listen to this episode. They are actually pretty cool things. And they're not entirely, they're not entirely useless, but like, I can also (laughs) understand why some parents would see that stuff and be like, they're just going to rot their brain out with this thing. And like, apparently the world of Minecraft is really elaborate and intricate and like kids are learning how to do pretty cool stuff with it. And granted it's, in minecraft but some of it is actually like based in real world type stuff so like it's Mm -hmm. not like you say there's it's not completely valueless like and and if some of these things uh i know there are different worlds in minecraft and some of the different worlds are related to like books and stuff so so like the kids will uh ask me about those books and I'm a giant nerd so I can tell them all about it and so far they haven't actually picked up any of the books because I've got pretty much all of them uh so far they haven't <laughs> so far they haven't actually picked any of them up but they do ask questions so that you know that it is pretty cool and it gives me an opportunity to nerd out so like there's yeah there is value there for parents if uh if you find the opportunity to to take that value from it I think yes I agree with that <laughs> Um, so maybe that's something with the uh maybe not necessarily with the peaceful parenting side of it but you know with like being a a non-confrontational type of parent is uh maybe I haven't given myself as much credit for uh being able to find that that side of stuff that uh like you can take what they naturally have as interests or just weird stuff that come up in day-to-day life and and have conversations about it and and use it to to get value 
I guess, for lack of a better, uh, better way of putting it, like, like to be yeah. able to parent on the fly. <laughs> well, so a lot of people do that. A lot of people um, use their kids' interests to help light fires, right, to inspire them to do other things. Um, my only concern with that is your intentions behind it. And a lot of kids, if they, if they think that you are trying to manipulate them into doing something like learning a particular subject or, um, acting a certain way, doing a certain task, something, uh, then they'll automatically reject it. And so I personally do not ever like to do anything that manipulates their behavior or makes it look like I'm trying to manipulate their behavior in any way. And I think that that is a more healthy relationship style to have with everyone. And we should be using the same relationship tools uh, that we do with our kids, um, with our partners and our parents and our friends. It's the same tools. Uh, We have to have a little bit more empathy and patience for children because they're not you know, totally rational yet, but adults aren't either. Right. And so, um, so just having empathy and like, we're trying to work collaboratively and modeling a healthy relationship without manipulation is I think the best, the best gift we can give them. The only thing I've tried to get them to latch onto is anarchy and they took to it like fish to water. So. (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, that's like I said. I have a lot of books, and and so when stuff does come up, I try to say, hey, you know, this is where that is. If you're ever interested, but like I said, so far they haven't picked up any of them. And who knows? Maybe one of these days they will. But like, these are mine for me anyway. <laughs> I, it would be cool if if we had shared interest in that stuff. But at the same time, I have other friends who have shared interest in this stuff, so I don't. I, I don't need my kids to, to like the things I like. I, uh, I don't need my kid. Like it's a little bit disappointing that none of my kids play sports. Uh, cause I was uh, a big athlete in, in high school and even a little bit into college. Uh, and none of my kids took to sports and like, especially early on, it was a little bit disappointing, but they figure out what they're good at and what they're interested in. And it like, I don't need to live. I don't need to live vicariously through them. Like I had a, I had a good, I had a good athletic career for everything that I played. Like I, I don't need to see them uh, one up me on any, on any of that. Like they're, <laughs> they can do their thing. I, I feel like there are a lot of parents that do kind of uh, push their kids into those things and want to see them be more successful than what they were. And, and, if it's not what they've chosen to do, then like, and I tried, I, tr- I tried really hard to, to get my kids, excuse me. I tried really hard to get my kids into basketball, especially because they're going to yeah. be, they're going to be gigantically tall. Uh, my, <gasps> my daughter's probably going to be six, two or six, three. So, so <laughs> I, I tried really hard to get them into basketball and it just, it never took. And like, and when I realized like once we got you know, seven, eight years old, and they just really didn't seem to care at all about basketball. It's like, oh, okay, like, I'm, I'm not going to keep pushing it. It'd be less stressful for me, it's less stressful for them, like, we can just do something else, and, and my son decided out of the blue, he wanted to play football one year, and that was really cool, mm-hmm. I was excited about it, 
and it really wasn't for him. He, uh, he's a, he's a big kid, but he does not like getting hit. (laughs) Yeah. Football is one of those ones that's really scary because there's so much, um, I just would worry about brain damage. He's pretty soft. So I wasn't too concerned that he was going to be like the kid flying off the handle and like going after people anyway. Okay. But it, it was exciting. Like I thought, okay, like he's he's a big kid. Maybe he'll he'll uh, this will be like the thing that he asserts himself. And it, and it wasn't. And it was <laughs> it was amusing to watch him uh, attempt to play football. It, but it really wasn't for him. And mm-hmm. so you know we figured that out and we moved on. And uh, you know, as much as I would like to see him be a really good football player, because like. Like I was a really good football player, but I was way too skinny. Uh, and he, he's a lot bigger build than I than I was at that age. So like he has the potential that he's going to be a, a big kid and could be good at that, but he just doesn't want to. And that you know, like we've, I do try to find the things that they're interested in and be interested in that with them and and encourage that like he's been trying out skateboarding and he's not good but he likes it and it's it's like something that he has fun with so okay we'll go we'll go do the skateboarding thing and it's it's uh I don't know anything about it and uh, I have absolutely no clue uh but he enjoys it so you know we go do it and we have we uh we have a lot of like common themes like comic books and, and different stuff so like we get into stuff together and some stuff we just don't and and I think uh, I think one of the most important things I've learned through divorce and stuff was to really focus on that relationship with with my wife and build our relationship and the kids if we have a healthy relationship the kids will have a more healthy relationship with us and with each other. Uh, yeah. And, and so that's kind of what I've tried to focus on here for the last, you know, five, six years is, is being a good, being a good me. <laughs> and, yeah. and then uh, not worrying so much about uh, making them be good them, like letting them figure that yeah. out. Yeah. And that's the best we can do because we can't actually, um, mold them into they're not they're not clay we can't mold them into like these little people that we picture or you know um, like uh, impose our values on them the best we can do is model it ourselves and then they have to choose um, if they want to try that um, or if they want to try something else but like yeah we can't you can't force that kind of a thing on anyone so I say that all the time. The best thing we can do for them is uh, be our best selves and model. So modeling you doing things for you uh, and having a healthy relationship with your, with your wife. Now, those are all awesome, awesome things. This last couple of weeks has been kind of a uh, about journey for me. So this has been really cool. Thank nice. you. Thank you so <laughs> much. Uh, put out all your plugs and everything. I, I thought this was excellent. If there's anything else you got, you wanted to uh, include or plugs to give, like throw it out there and. Uh... Oh, thanks. I don't really have any plugs. I'm on Twitter. I'm on 
uh, mostly Twitter. I'm on some other ones too, but that's the one I check the most. Facebook is bothering me and I never check MeWe or any of the others anymore. So <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got every social media account you could imagine. Cause I'm the Guinea pig for all the, uh, all, all the podcasts, but yeah, I've, Twitter has gotten to be pretty much the primary one. I, I still do some stuff on Facebook, uh, on my normal Facebook account because I have like normal friends that I'll actually chat, <laughs> actually chat with and stuff outside of like the political world. But, uh, nice. Twitter, Twitter has kind of become where I spend most of my time. Uh, but it's more again, fun. <laughs> yes, it is. Especially if you, Oh, we could go, we could go real, real long on that. Especially if you approach Twitter kind of like, uh, like I've been trying to approach things with my life and my kids like have fun with it try not to take it all too terribly seriously uh you know it it should be an enjoyable experience if you're getting super stressed out about it you're probably doing something wrong (laughs) yep yep (laughs) like I've kind of come to feel that way about parenting over the last few years as well like if if I'm super stressed out I'm probably fucking something up uh so so it's true yeah no that's so true um yeah it's uh twitter is where i've met like all my friends now so being in california all my old friends have it's just gotten weird here (laughs) um and i don't i don't really hang out with them anymore and so i just i just met new friends on twitter (laughs) it's a great place to meet people if you have extreme views and you've even gotten to meet a few of those in real life so i know i'm so excited it's awesome and uh i also got to meet some here too so now i actually have like in real life friends local to me which is nice yeah yeah it's awesome (laughs) well alex thank you so much for coming on and uh hope you have a good one thanks justin this has been great 